and we welcome you to the Thursday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. On today's program, I'm continuing my series of interviews with Gateway Technical College instructors talking about what it is like to shift over to a format of entirely online teaching. And we begin with Pat Hoppe, who is Division Chair for Engineering here at Gateway and a teacher in the Electrical Engineering Program. I began the interview by asking Pat Hoppe to explain just how broad the field of engineering is at a place like Gateway. Um, we actually cover a, a very wide, wide area. We have um, we have the, uh, the architectural program and civil engineering, highway and uh, structural design. We also have a freshwater program, which is under the civil engineering area. We have mechanical design, and then we have electronics and electrical engineering technology. So it is really a mechanical, electrical, and civil. Within our electrical program, we also have some biomedical engineering. So it is very, very broad, um, encompassing all the different engineering, all the different standard engineering programs that you, you might find at, um, at any uh, college or university. So in the, the specific area that you teach, electrical sure. engineering, what is, in a sense, the, what does the finish line represent? When someone studies electrical engineering at Gateway, what do they end up with? Okay, so anything that you come in, so you would end up with an associate degree in electrical engineering technology. And that really prepares you for two things. It prepares you to enter the workforce as an electrical engineering technologist, where you would work for a, a team of engineers, and you may build prototypes for them, do the testing, write the reports on how the prototype performed, and a report back to the engineering group. You may work for a, a manufacturer and, on an automation line. You may work for a, a manufacturer that is designing products, and they, and they are looking for service engineers to go out on the, on the road to fix their, their, their product at their customer's basis, um, things like that. So we, um, we prepare folks to go into the workforce, and we also prepare people to go on for a four-year degree. So our electrical engineering technology program is the first two years of a BSEE at the Milwaukee School of Engineering. So if you, if, if you want to become an electrical engineer, you come to Gateway for the first two years, you transfer from our electrical engineering technology program to the Milwaukee School of Engineering, you spend an additional two years and 16 credits throughout the four years total, and you graduate with an, an electrical engineering degree. And we have a lot of students doing that as well. So it's kind of multiple paths that a, a graduate could, could take, enter the workforce, or go on for additional schooling, and some do both. Hmm. Electrical engineering seems like one of those areas of study in which uh, there's probably quite a lot that ends up happening on the blackboard, so to speak, and then a fair amount that is much more tangible, much more hands-on. Am I right about that? Is it, is it uh, correct. roughly correct. A, a even split? I would say I would say fifty fifty. Everything that I do on the whiteboard, the students will do in a a laboratory setting. So I would say fifty fifty. Yes. Hmm. Even so, tell us about when this first became uh, evident that uh, the COVID nineteen uh, 
COVID-19 situation was going to very directly impact Gateway and how we were going to deliver education to our students. As that first started to seem like at least a theoretical possibility, uh, I suspect that you as dean of this particular division already were thinking about what this might mean for you and your colleagues. Well, not to... um I'll correct you, Greg, but as um, as a chair of the engineering program, I worked uh, very closely with my dean. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I just no, called you. I just yeah. promoted you. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> dean for a minute. Thank you. Um, so um, I worked very closely with my with my dean to let, let him know that the engineering team was truly ready for this. As a biomedical engineer, that is my that is my educational background. I have been following this since um, we first saw the news break back in, in late fall. Um, pretty much anticipating this was going to be coming our way and that we were going to have to look at ways to deliver our, our, our coursework. And to be honest, this is really nothing new for engineers. We utilize technology to solve problems. That's what we do. Um, you mentioned or you asked earlier which, which engineering disciplines that we, that we have, and I listed all of them off. The only difference between all those different engineering disciplines are the kinds of problems that we solve. We utilize the same tools to solve the problems. We just solve them in different areas. When, when, it, when it became apparent that we were going to be teaching online, that was just one more problem that as an engineer, we were very well equipped to solve. We utilize, and, and we have been utilizing a lot of the current technology that we're using now in our fully online delivery, we have been utilizing for the last dozen years teaching in our uh, traditional coursework. So none of the software packages or the, or the techniques or the style of teaching that we're using now is really anything new. We're just using more of it. Um, we have been using it all along, and have, and it's um, it's had a very proven track record of being um, a vehicle that our students can be successful in. So so we knew what um, we already knew what was going to work, and we knew how we were going to apply it, and we knew that we weren't going to have to roll anything new out. Um, it really was a, a very smooth transition for us. Wow. How about the those aspects of the program which really are more tangible, more sure. hands-on? I suspect that, that those would present kind of the thorniest uh, challenge for you and, and your colleagues in terms of how to deliver that kind of material that, that I'm sure would be simplest to do in a room where everybody's gathered together. Sure. Well, there's, um, there's multiple ways to uh, approach that. Um, I'll speak to electrical engineering first. There are many excellent circuit simulation programs available. When I went through college many, many years ago, the circuit simulation programs were very rudimentary. They simply gave you numerical results. Now, with the, well, with the graphical inter inter interfaces that we've just become accustomed to with all of our software, our students, I can have them build, build circuits in a circuit simulation program and use virtual instruments that look like and operate exactly like the test equipment they have in our, in our labs. So they can actually perform the experiments as if they were sitting in our labs, sitting at their, at their desktop. And we utilize textbooks 
that have experiments manuals that have experiments written especially for this. So to give you an, an example, in all of our experiments, if you were taking a class um, in the traditional format, we would have you do the calculations, we then have you run through the simulation, and then would have you build the circuit and take the physical measurements. And we would do that for all of our lab experiments. In this, in this setting, how we've tweaked that just a little bit is, we have our students do the calculations, we have them do the simulations on their own, and, and, they, and they have the software to do that. And then for the actual hands-on experiments, the instructors have brought a test equipment and parts home, and we run the experiments live for them, and we broadcast it to them so they can watch us do the experiments. We ask them questions. We ask them, where should I hook the oscilloscope probe? What should I put the settings on the oscilloscope probe? What, what should I set it to on the um, oscilloscope it, itself? And then we take the measurements and with the use of web, webcams and document cams, they are actively involved in that experiment as if we were sitting around a table in the classroom doing it as a, as a small group. The only, the only difference is now everybody gets a good view, right? Mm. Because if, if, um, if we were sitting around a table, there'd be those that would be standing in, in back. With this scenario, I honestly believe, and 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 since I'm I'm saying this and it's and it's being recorded, um, you can you can hold me to this, Greg. <laughs> I believe that we will be we will become better teachers because of this. I believe that the uh, techniques that we are that we are using now we will continue to use even if we go back to a traditional in class teaching. I I just have have. Um, I really believe in what, what we're doing, and I, and I think that our students are going to be very successful at graduation because of the improved teaching tech techniques that we're using that happen to be implemented because of this situation that is going on right now. So I, I'm, I'm actually looking at the um, – um, I think we're going to all become better teachers because of this. Well, and, and uh, I, I should think that beyond that matter of also being, becoming better teachers is you're probably also, I, I'm guessing, more aware of what it means to teach. I mean, that, I, I guess I'm talking on more of kind of a touchy-feely level, but I mean, uh, you probably are, are, are more acutely aware of, of what the act of teaching really is. Uh, when suddenly that act of teaching is plucked out of its normal context and placed into something that's much more unfamiliar. And in some ways, it helps you understand what is most basic about the relationship between teacher and student. And it has nothing to do with sitting in a room together. Uh, correct, correct. And, and I also think that, that, that honestly, with this, with this setup that we're using, so we are utilizing Zoom for our, um, our classroom delivery, if you will. And in there, it is, it is actually easier for me to have almost like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with each of my students rather than in a classroom setting where, where there were you, um, I just think it's easy to see everyone mm -hmm. in the, um, in the, on the, um, on your computer screen and you are able to make eye contact with everyone at the same time. So it's as if I am talking to you personally, even if I'm talking to you and 20 of your, um, of your classmates. Wow. Yeah. I think, yeah. uh, 
a lot of us wouldn't even think about that as being a possibility. It's exciting to hear that that's, that's what's going on. Um, do you find that your students are having to deal with any particular challenges in terms of taking in this material in this way? I mean, does it require, in a sense, maybe more focus or a different kind of attentiveness? Or uh, are there other issues that seem to be coming up or, or, or not particularly? Well, actually, I, I think it's had kind of a, an, um, it's had a very interesting um, um, outcome from this. So what I'm, I'm hearing with my students, I, I, I end every, um, every class period by asking how the, how the class went, and I, and I address each of, 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 of my students. Um, we start out by asking how, how everyone is doing, just so that they can, they can check in. And that we're able to keep still that social side of, of what school is. Um, we start by seeing how everyone is doing. And then I end by asking them, were there any things that, that they had questions on? Or how did, the, um, how did a today's lesson go, if you will? And what, I am, what I'm hearing is that though they didn't like the reason why we have to do this, they like this style of teaching and they like this style of, um, of delivery. A lot of our students are, are balancing families, jobs, and lots of other things, or maybe a single, um, a single vehicle um, within the family and getting to school can be a challenge if someone has a car and they're at work. With this, with this style of uh, delivery, wherever they're at, if they have their cell phone, they can attend my lecture. Hmm. And and they didn't they they don't have to worry about getting childcare or they don't have to worry about driving forty minutes to campus. They can attend simply by getting online at five five thirty, and they're now in my lecture without um, without having to leave their living room. Wow! And and our and from what I'm I'm, I'm getting from feedback from my students, they are really excelling in that. Um, I will say that I have, I have seen um, my students continue to do well. And they're in, engaged, they're, they're asking questions, they're turning in homework. It, is, it, is, it has been a, um, a continuation of where they were at a month ago when we were still doing the, the traditional lecture lab um, in the classroom on, on campus. Pat Hoppe is Division Chair for Engineering at Gateway and teaches in the Electrical Engineering Department. You're listening to The Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. And now I am really pleased to be speaking with two members of the nursing faculty at Gateway Technical College, Marianne Kuyper and Helene Stacy. And they, like their colleagues across uh, the various academic disciplines at Gateway, have been dealing with this new reality of teaching in this online format, virtual teaching, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and of course, the discipline of nursing uh, presents certain uh, challenges all of its own that uh, they're going to be talking about for the next few minutes. Marianne Kuyper, Elaine Stacy, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you. Thank you. Good to have you here. So um, once it became clear that uh, Gateway, like just about every other college and university on the planet, was going to be impacted by COVID-19, what were some of the first things that you and your colleagues began thinking about in terms of readying yourselves for this, this unprecedented situation? What were the most important early steps in getting prepared? 
You know, I think for a lot of us as a nurse, our first thing is always about thinking of others and taking care of others. And we had students getting ready to graduate and we had students who were getting ready to enter clinical because our classes are front loaded. So quickly, I think everybody started to pull together and see, okay, which clinical sites were still taking students and which clinical sites could we still go to? Um, what classes can we finish online? Um, and uh, each one of our semesters got together and really started brainstorming. Um, things changed throughout all the planning process as this evolved, which was interesting. Um, we started to see that as this spread, um, our clinical community partners were doing things to protect their residents as well as their patients and as well as us. And so we came together and talked about, okay, how can we still give a quality, um, quality course for our students in our clinicals? And that's where each semester worked together to kind of meet the competencies of each course to prepare the students to move on so that we can still get our fourth semester students in particular ready for the workforce because we know that Wisconsin and Illinois are going to need the nurses. And to add to that, it was very hard with um, our students that were in clinical and the clinical sites that were canceled. How do we prove competencies? Because in the clinical sites, they actually take care of patients. And how could we mimic that in the virtual world? And thank goodness, not only did, do we have a great team brainstorming within nursing, but um, yeah. the other companies that we work with were offering freebies or discount prices for things for us. So that made it very nice for us. So we used a platform called Virtual Simulation for these students. And we're hoping that this mimics the clinical settings and this will help prepare our students. Mm. Can you tell us more about how that works, what you were just mentioning? Uh, and, and if you are yet using it, or is that something that is still to come? We're using it right now, and it is actually, um, you can almost think of it as gaming, but it's not quite gaming. It's actually an avatar that the students have to go in, they talk to, um, they have to ask appropriate questions of the avatar, and the avatar does respond to them. They actually have to assess the avatar and communicate with the avatar throughout the program. It takes about an hour to an hour and a half per each program that the students use. Wow. And so this is meant to, again, parallel the experience that they would have if they were in an actual hospital room with an actual hospital patient nursing them uh, in a clinical setting. Correct. Wow. To what extent do you feel like it is successful? And, uh, and are there things about this that do not quite manage to give the full experience? I mean, albeit as close as possible, but, uh, or, or does it really work by and large with complete success? Um, I think one of the cons of the program is there's no interruption. You can sit there and talk to the avatar and do whatever you need to do and you're not being interrupted. When we are in clinical and the students are dealing with patients, we do talk to them throughout the day and ask them various questions, such mm -hmm. as, you know, what medications are they on, why, what's your assessment, what could that mean? We don't have that advantage when they're using the avatar because it's just the program they work through. Right. So it's a very much a one-on-one -on -one thing and it, yeah. they're allowed to have a, a certain amount of focus that, you know, live clinical situation maybe they wouldn't have to the same extent. Correct. Wow. Yep. Um, Elaine Stacy, can you explain uh, the freedom 
with which you and your colleagues were able to make some of these choices and decisions versus uh, were there any directives from the, the college itself, from the administration in terms of how you should go about doing this? Just how much freedom were you and your colleagues given? Yeah, I think we are really lucky in our department. Um, our dean, Vicki Halbach, gives us a lot of leniency to come up and be creative. Um, I think when you look at our faculty in general, um, we all know what we are held to, what standards, because of the nursing, the Wisconsin State Nursing um, Board, as well as our accrediting body. So we knew what we needed to accomplish. Um, we came together each level with a plan and we addressed each one of those competencies. And then we basically submitted that to Vicki. And Vicki took a look at everything. Um, each group kind of evaluated what they would need and each group did things a little bit differently. So like our first semester is doing, um, they're not usually using the virtual simulation. They feel that they can get their competencies met um, because of where they're at in the program, not using it. Um, and then our second, third, and fourth semester are using the virtual simulation in addition to case studies and Zoom meetings and everything else. Our third semester is actually coming back on campus to do simulation when we open. We were lucky enough that when Vicki took our ideas about the virtual simulation to Zena Haywood, um, she was in agreement with it and very much approved it. So we you had got a lot of success. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Uh, I suppose one thing that is helpful in this unhappy situation is that uh, Gateway is not unique. This isn't some disaster that has befallen Gateway in isolation. This is something that nursing programs across the country are having to grapple with. So in a sense, it is a, a strange level playing field. But th that being said, uh, you still want to do the best possible job that you can with Gateway students, and it sounds like you feel pretty confident that that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Very yes. much so. I think I think I can speak for the fact that all the levels are meeting quite frequently. Um, students are getting all the same assignments um, and held to the same standard across each class. Um, and I think it's made us probably a little bit stronger in all of this as well. And just to add, I just want to thank the administration, too, because they had Make Hunter on board with the Zoom meetings. So we all learned Zoom. We could have um, meetings with our students and actually sit there and have discussions with them. And that has really helped. And that was pulled together at the last minute for everybody. Yeah. In some of these conversations I've had with uh, your colleagues in, well, I even uh, – uh, someone else in nursing, but uh, but also talking to colleagues from other academic disciplines at Gateway, some of them have expressed uh, an opinion I didn't expect, which is that this, in some ways, for as unhappy and difficult a situation as it is, has yielded some positives in terms of helping at least some of them to kind of rethink the way they teach, to rethink mm -hmm. what matters most and uh, what matters most in terms of the, 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 the final product that's being shared with the students. I wonder if that's been your experience at all, if this has been, in a sense, a, a, a positive learning experience, albeit under uh, regrettable circumstances. Any thoughts on that? Um, I have to agree because I think you need a lot of creativity online, and I think it's taught us to be creative. It's taught us to work as a team. And I think we're sharing a lot of things that maybe previously we didn't share as often. I mean, I think 
nursing has a great crew on board and we're all more than willing to share what we're learning. But now it seems like we're more willing to share because if it can help this semester, it can help the next semester. And I think we're learning with the students, too, the flexibility that we do have to be flexible. Um, I think in this hard time, it makes us all realize the importance of our jobs, you know, and the importance of getting well-prepared nurses into the community. And so I think each one of us, um, while we don't see each other in person, we can laugh a little bit more via Zoom, and we've kind of figured out different ways to approach that personal contact with our students and with each other. Hmm. Well, and you've also touched on something, which is that I think all of us have a new appreciation for frontline healthcare workers, including nurses. And I suspect that uh, this current situation uh, is deeply meaningful to your students. I mean, that they probably understand even better than they did before the kind of life that uh, they are uh, embarking upon. I think there's been some really good discussion about that. I think a lot of our students work right now in healthcare as CNAs, as LPNs, um, in the healthcare environment. And so we've seen the pull on them because there's been mandatory overtime and taking call. And it's um, made us reflect as their faculty of being more flexible with them and their importance as well. Um, and help them to see just how vital their role is within the healthcare environment and within our community. Marianne, do you want to add anything? And I think that um, a lot of our students are working and front lines where we have a lot of EMS students out there and they bring back a lot of stories to their peers that are there. And I think that helps them realize how important everyone in healthcare is mm -hmm. and how it has to be a team effort. It's not just the nurse. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about the nurses and how they're taking care of these patients, but it's the nurse cannot stand alone. It has to be a team effort from everybody, from the EMS who responds, first responders out there, all the way through their hospitalization. And it's brought up a lot of ethical issues and ethical discussions. And I think that that's an eye opener to the students too, of all the ethical issues, issues being brought up now with this COVID-19 and what's occurring in healthcare today. We're all learning a lot, and uh, I've certainly learned a lot from all of these uh, interesting conversations, including this one. Marianne Kuyper and Helene Stacy, both uh, on the nursing faculty of Gateway Technical College. Thank you so much. Thank you for the good work that you're doing on behalf of Gateway students, and thanks for being part of the morning show today. Well, thank, you. thank you. And for this portion of the morning show, I'm speaking with Ted Lupella, who uh, is an instructor in the field of surgical technology. And of course, uh, right now with COVID-19, uh, we are more mindful than ever about all of the various facets of the healthcare industry and healthcare workers. And uh, so I'm excited to speak with uh, Ted Lapella about the way in which he is carrying on, he and his colleagues, in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. Ted Lapella, uh, thanks for joining me on the morning show today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Uh, give us, first of all, a nice capsule summary, if you would, of what it means to study surgical technology. Well, surgical technology is very in-depth um, area that uh, specializes, obviously, in surgery. And our students actually learn how to assist surgeons in the sterile field and assist uh, surgeons with uh, surgical procedures overall. So they do learn uh, many facets of surgery, including many specialties. So typically in a surgery, what 
what kinds of very specific things would they be doing to assist a surgeon? Uh, they would set up the sterile field, so everything blue, if you watch any of the television programs, you'll see that that actually designates sterility. Uh, so anything blue, the students really would manage all that. Uh, they would open all the supplies, set everything up, organize it, and as well, pass the instruments to the doctor and assist during the procedure. Wow. How long a program is this at Gateway? It's a two-year program. It's in Associates of Applied Sciences. Right. So have you had any experience before COVID-19 with offering up this kind of material in online fashion? Or is this a first for you? <laughs> this is a first for me, yes. Uh, so yeah, this is the first time that we've actually had to adapt. Our program does require quite a bit of hands-on, which is a, a very important portion of it. So having to come up with creative ideas to keep the students stim stimulated and engaged is very important. Right. So when it first became evident that Gateway, like every other kind of school, was going to be very directly impacted by this and that this kind of teaching was going to be necessary, what did you and your colleagues do? I mean, what, what was that preparation time like, aside from being obviously very, very intense and challenging? Sure. Well, we have a, a wonderful support system here at Gateway, and I'm not just trying to, um, you know, well, of course, I am very sharing very positive uh, uh, things that we have going on here. But in terms of our support, uh, my dean, our program director, uh, they have been integral in terms of actually coming up with solutions and ways that we can, like I said, keep the students engaged and stimulated. Uh, so that starting with the conversation was the first thing as well, evaluating what was left, especially this late in the game in the spring semester. And for some of our students, this was their 11th hour and they would be graduating soon. Wow. And, and you have to take care that you are giving them everything that they need uh, in, in order to successfully complete this program and to know everything that they're supposed to know. Correct. So, for instance, you personally, what are you teaching this semester? Which courses? Well, I'm teaching a, I'm actually teaching a first year course, which is a transition between uh, our laboratory environment to surgery, which we actually uh, have a clinical component that goes along with that. And as well, I'm also the clinical coordinator and I'm managing our students who are in their preceptorship, which is the last clinical course before they would actually graduate and move on to the work world. One of the things you mentioned is that a lot of what you do very much involves hands-on, tangible stuff that they are learning. It's not just things in a book or things on a blackboard or a whiteboard, but uh, holding objects in their hands and, and, uh, and doing that kind of work. So tell us about some of the strategies that you and your colleagues have come up with uh, to give students at least as much of that kind of experience as is possible in this strange scenario. Sure. One, one thing that I've learned over the years uh, becoming a teacher is that uh, reflection upon previously learned skills are very important, especially when we have to finalize or, or complete uh, you know, certain portions of, of the course and checkoffs, as we call those, which are, which are actual physical uh, demonstrations of the students' learning. So what I've done personally, especially with our first-year students, is I've actually done demonstrations. I've brought home instruments and supplies here and set them up right on my kitchen table or on the countertop and uh, used some creativity 
but then verified and went over some of the previously learned skills. And then we discussed the extension or, or actually the new skill just by me actually demonstrating physically how I would pass an instrument, uh, you know, in terms of suture or something like that, which is a specific thing we're working on right now, uh, how we would use that, how we would pass it to the surgeon, how we would actually take that functional part um, and apply it. Hmm. Boy, it's, it's fascinating. You're, you're touching on all of the intricacies that are just completely lost to the rest of us from the outside looking in. That, for instance, somebody who is in this position, I suppose, needs to know what all of these different instruments are, and then on top of it needs to handle them properly. I mean, that there's a right way and there's a wrong way to, for instance, hand a surgeon a given instrument. Can you just give us one specific example of, of that? Sure. Well, in terms of instruments, uh, there, there are certain ways of, of managing an instrument, passing it to the surgeon so it's efficient. Most often when the surgeon is working, their eyes are straight down. So I'm sure that you've probably seen, and I'll even use a scissor, but what we'll teach our students to do is to actually take the, the instrument and set it in their hand, letting them know, not really a slap in their hand, but actually giving them some sort of an indication that that instrument is there and ready to use. So that's one of the things that we do teach the students. Uh, fortunately, like I had said, we, we reflect upon previously learned skills and our program actually goes through, in essence, a baby steps where they learn the instruments. They might learn as many as 100 instruments and they have to know what their functions are, uh, how to pass that instrument and so on. And then uh, in addition to that, uh, then again, we, we make sure that they have mastered uh, being efficient with, you know, setting it up, passing it, organizing it, and all the facets that wow. go along with it. Fascinating. So how do you think this is going thus far in terms of your students and their receptiveness to this method of learning, their adaptability to something that is so different from what they're used to? How's it been going so far? Well, initially, I think the students were very skeptical as we were in, as instructors except fortunately that Gateway has prepared most of us to be able to teach online, uh, that that's a, a required course for faculty, um, or at least a required skill. So from that standpoint, we, we kind of overcame that barrier, yet having to do this on a regular basis or actually staying home and trying to, to teach these skills, we did have to come up with some creative ways of managing that. But in terms of the students, we, we did have to sell them, if you'll call it that, in terms of you know completing their education while we're you know at such a distance, um, so once they once they initially they knew what the expectations were, which is in essence really really that's a an integral part. If if we let them know what the expectations are, we verify that, we organize it, and get it all set up on Blackboard and the tools that we have. Then you know meeting on a regular basis. Uh, you know after that the challenges kind of went away and the students are receiving it well. Do you see any ways in which this is actually uh, advantageous? I mean, not that any of us want to be in this scenario, especially any of us who are teachers, but, but given the fact that this is where we are right now, are there any ways in which actually some aspects of what you do uh, uh, are perhaps enhanced by this online environment? Sure. Well, we have a captive audience, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> 
You know, they, they're required to tune in and to be there in class, you know, the same way in terms of, you know, what the expectations are for, for actually being there um, with us physically um, or for face-to-face. Uh, yes, actually, I do find that there are some aspects, various things, other than the laboratory environment and the clinical environment. But there are some lecture materials that can be offered this way uh, that really, in, in a sense, can be condensed uh, because we don't have the travel time. Uh, the students are right there with us. Um, the technology is wonderful having Zoom or like what we're recording on today. You know, that has really helped. So I absolutely see that this is beneficial for other courses, you know, that don't require face-to-face or physical skills. Hmm. Have you, uh, are you to the point where you've had to give quizzes and tests? And what does that feel like uh, in this environment? Uh, quizzes and tests mainly thus far is what I have done is round robin. So I've gone from student to student. I let them know in advance that, yes, I'm going to put you on the spot. And yes, you do have to answer questions. So that would, that would be an, an oral assessment. Uh, have I given them quizzes? I have done uh, given quizzes online previously. Usually that's open book because there are limitations. Although we do have, there are lockdown browsers and things like that, that, that you can offer. Uh, from my standpoint, I haven't had to use that very often. It's more so, like I said, an oral verification to make sure that they're, that everyone is uh, picking up on the skills that are trying to be shared. Right. And just to reiterate, uh, from what you're saying, your expectations are not curbed by the, the difficulty of this situation. I mean, you are asking as much of your students in this scenario as you would if you were teaching them normally. Am I, is that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no question there. As a matter of fact, it's, it is enhanced in one of our clinical courses that we're continuing uh, online, even though the students can't go into the clinical. Um, what I have assigned is a, uh, a case study. So they actually need to go through and do an in-depth study, which they have to make a presentation online. Uh, that is something that's, it's no more than 10 minutes, but that in-depth study is something that we, again, take the, uh, the previously learned skills, the actual physical skills, apply that in terms of what the presentation is. And we let the students know, I let the students know, that I want them to share how that particular surgical case applies to real life situations. And it stimulates some great conversation uh, and is, again, has brought them to a new level in terms of their understanding of the technicalities of these cases. Marvelous. Ted Lapella uh, is an instructor in surgical technology at Gateway Technical College. Ted Lapella, thank you so much for uh, joining me today and for sharing about the teaching that you and your colleagues are doing. Very best wishes. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And now I'm really pleased to be able to spend a few minutes with Richard Malloy, who teaches in Gateway's adult high school in the pre-college division. And we're going to be finding out about some of the particular uh, challenges and maybe joys that he has experienced uh, doing what he is doing. Richard Malloy, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you so much for having me on. Looks like you're on the porch of your house. As a matter of fact, I am, and right on cue, somebody fired up a car out here, but we're good. good. (laughs) Um, In your teaching career, have you had uh, any experience whatsoever in doing this kind of uh, online teaching, or is this basically a first for you? No, I've had um, 
for about the last four or five years, I want to say, uh, a couple of sections that I've put into online formats, particularly where they involve um, grammar or fundamentals or something like that. I've had a lot of luck taking what I guess you'd consider to be the, the, the non-performing um, sections that didn't weren't getting particularly high numbers, make it an online section, and all of a sudden I've picked up some working adults and the numbers have been better. And I've kind of used that experience to kind of pull through this. Wow. So explain to our listeners briefly, I'm afraid, uh, kind yeah. of how Gateway's adult high school is set up, the kinds of things that it offers and what sort of the the ultimate goal is for those students who are part of it? Well, it was a, a pretty innovative program as it came about um, quite a while ago. We're working with the school districts in the three county area. And in particular, those school districts recognize our classes uh, for credit. So a lot of times it's credit recovery for the high school age students, if you will, Tuesdays and Thursdays. My students in Elkhorn are often the uh, alternative high school students out there in the West Building. Uh, otherwise, we don't have the high numbers of high school students that we had probably six or seven years ago, but we are uh, seeing, I guess you'd say, working adults out there. Folks who really haven't made that connection um, in the high school area in the past and are kind of looking for some success. So what are kind of the particular challenges that you have found in this new scenario in which uh, so many of us find ourselves of having to shift to entirely online virtual learning? And, and I'm thinking particularly in terms of the particular population uh, that, are, that, that, that you are reaching out to. Uh, do you think there's anything especially about the adult high school program, which maybe presents certain issues and, and challenges unique to it? Well, I think one thing that we do in adult high school, I, I'd like to think more so maybe than, than some other places, is we have to build some resilience. Um, and I say that because the ability level is across the, the spectrum, but we need, you know, if I, if I think about the alternative high school folks, um, they will talk very directly about issues of truancy and things of that kind in the past. And you want to do something to reinforce the um, ability to keep moving ahead. So for this situation, you go to an online format in classes that take a little more critical thinking, um, media, mass communication, for instance, or uh, writing principles, writing, uh, written skills, uh, communication. You, you find yourself trying to maybe put some lectures together that you really would have relied upon that relationship with students to, to reinforce, but you also have to listen very carefully. And um, it's very key to take the information, uh, in my case, it, it, it's good old-fashioned emails um, from these students for the most part. They've kind of given me the feedback that, gosh, I'd rather just submit work than be on a discussion board or something like that. Um, it's not about what I would prefer to do, and I'm certainly not going to try um, bring in some of these wonderful 
um, tools and uh, apps that, that Meg Hunter has provided us in the ed technology area if it's going to discourage the students. Um, for example, the media class, we're dealing with kind of post-World War II uh, media right now, which means we're talking about television, we're talking about movies and changing medium there. Um, I had the, the chance in that last week, being a little bit tightly wound, to think about this at a time. Hey guys, something might be coming. Um, how many of you have Netflix? Every hand goes up. Well, problem solved. Instead of worrying about what kind of movie we're going to bring into the classroom or how that's going to go, now I have to find a way to interactively discuss what we're watching, introduce them to Rod Serling or introduce them to um, Alfred Hitchcock or something of that kind in a critical way. That's new to me. That's different from <laughs> putting up a lecture on diagramming sentences and what an adverbial clause looks like. Now we're we're getting a little bit into the weeds, and I'm enjoying it. And more importantly, I think the students are enjoying it. That's, uh, that's really what it's all about. How about the whole matter of just sort of showing up? Uh, I wonder if the experience you've had with your students thus far is that uh, they are showing up about the same way they would show up if this were normal class. And I think that's how I would look at it. Um, you know, there, there's... <laughs> There's an element out there that I guess would say, gee, I didn't sign up for an online class and you know that's it for me. But proactively you kind of hit it early and talk to them about it. You know, the 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 conversation I was noting there. Hey, what what would you like to see to reach these competencies? We're not changing the class that much, but what's the simplest way that would be better? And I might be Looking at some of these things, we're, we're hearing a lot about Loom, which seems like a very interesting instrument. That's great, but if the students aren't going to access it, um, you, you, so I go to the students. I say, what would, you, what would you do with this? What would happen if I gave you a weekly assignment that looked like this and we checked in at the end of the week? Would you be able to do it? And what would you be excited about? And if you listen carefully, you'll get the feedback you're looking for. Um, you know, Meg likes to talk about using online to be a facilitator. That's probably pretty good. A lot of these young people are probably more tech savvy than I am. It doesn't come naturally to me. I've actually learned a few things from somebody coming over. Carefully, you get the feedback. And I think that empowers the, the students. I think that's a big part of what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. Hmm. So, and, it, and it sounds like uh, in this setting, maybe more than you normally would, you're really taking some cues from them in terms of what they think will be of most benefit to them and what the kind of instruction that they would most welcome under these strange circumstances. I think that you have to. And, um, you know, I think you tend to record um, maybe your corrections a little bit and maybe even more individually than usual. Um, just going through, like I said, simple grammatical um, kind of exercises. Here's the pattern that I see. Here's where you're, you're kind of missing out or something like that. Um, I think the more personalized and the more individual and the more you can show that you're really listening to the students, they'll come back. They'll be there. Hmm. Glad to hear that you've had uh, such positive experiences thus far. 
And of course, you're, you're dealing with a program that's really important. I mean, could be potentially life-changing for some of your students. And so I'm, I know... That's the, that's the payoff on this end. <laughs> absolutely. Well, it makes it, in a sense, it makes the stakes even higher. I mean, in terms of what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah, I think so. Richard Malloy is with Gateway Technical College's Adult High School, the uh, pre-college program. Uh, Richard Malloy, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, share about what you're doing. And uh, thank you for the good work that you're doing on behalf of Gateway students. And thanks for being part of the morning show today. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, everybody stay safe. <laughs> and once again, I want to thank the Gateway instructors who so kindly made time in their busy schedules to speak with me today on the morning show. Uh, Pat Hoppy from Electrical Engineering, Marianne Kuyper and Helene Stacy from Nursing, Ted Lupella from Surgical Technology, and Rich Malloy from the Adult High School. And I thank them for their great work on behalf of all of the students of Gateway Technical College, and I thank them for being part of the morning show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>